Hi, this is Walter Montero, and you're listening to this week's edition of the Real Estate and Mortgage Show. Hey guys, how you doing? It's Walter Montero here. Hope everybody's well. Today is March 19th, the last day of winter. And because it's a nice sunny day out and it looks like a beautiful spring day, I thought it'd be a good idea to talk about the cost involved in buying a house and, of course, the difference between getting pre-approved for a mortgage and just getting pre-qualified. So let's uh, start off right at the top here. Let's talk about the actual costs involved in buying a house. Most people understand that, obviously, when you buy a house, you have to have a down payment. Now, I know that there are some lenders out there, actually a lender out there, that will still do it on what they call the flex down program, where you can actually borrow the down payment, but not so common these days. Most people are coming in with a down payment. So basically, you're looking at about 5% and a minimum, and you know, and that, of course, goes up. But typically, it's 5%. So if you're, let's use $400,000 as, as an example. Price seems to be an entry-level price these days, believe it or not. It's unbelievable. Um, you're looking at about $20,000. All right. Um, But that's not all that's involved in buying a house. You've got to take into account a a few other things. The next thing, of course, you've got to remember is legal fees. Legal, you're going to need a lawyer to close the transaction and um, to handle all the documentation for you. The lawyers these days for a a purchase typically run around $1,000 for their legal fees and disbursements. Okay. Uh, Usually with taxes, it runs up a little higher than that, usually about $1,200. But that's more or less the going rate for a lawyer. Some lawyers are a little bit cheaper. Some lawyers are a little bit more. But remember, when you look at legal fees, legal fees are usually broken down in a few different ways. They have the fee itself that the lawyer charges, which is usually somewhere around four to $600. And then you've got the registration of documents, any disbursements that he has to handle, um, and of course, title insurance. So those are all typically included in the legal fees. All right. Uh, so you're looking at, let's call that $1,200. If you look at uh, getting a home inspection, if you are lucky enough to be able to exercise that right, even though you know there's all kinds of multiple offers going on and some people have to consider going into an offer without a home inspection. Uh, but if you do have the ability to get a home inspection, you're going to be looking at somewhere around $400. Okay, so that's on top of your down payment. The next thing, of course, you have to take into consideration is land transfer tax. Now, land transfer tax is a funny tax. It's calculated in, in, a, in a real different way. So, and again, it depends where you live. Uh, if you live outside of the Toronto area, then the land transfer tax basically is a breakdown starting at anything above 55000 And there's a different breakdown of taxes as it goes up to 250,000, 400,000, above 400,000, and then over 2 million. So there's a, there's a whole breakdown. The easiest way to calculate uh, what your land transfer tax is going to be is just go online, Google land transfer tax Ontario, and you'll, you'll find all kinds of different calculators. And most of the calculators online these days, they show uh, if you're buying uh, just outside of Toronto or if you're buying... Um, in, inside of Toronto. So there's going to be quite a, quite a difference there. But basically on a, on a $400,000 property, which I don't even know if you can find in Toronto, maybe a little condo, you're looking at about um, uh, just a little under $4,500 from the province. And you're looking at that same amount 
from uh, the city of Toronto. So it's twice as much. So you pay the tax twice for the privilege of living in Toronto. So let's address the people that are living outside of Toronto for now. You're looking at about $4,500 on the purchase of a $400,000 house. Okay. Now, one thing that I, I really want to make clear is, is something that gets missed quite a bit. And that is the PST or the provincial sales tax on the insurance premium. And what I mean by insurance premium is if you're putting down less than 20%, you're going to have to pay an insurance premium either to CH, CMHC or Genworth or something somewhere along those lines. But if you're buying, say, a $400,000 house with uh, 5% down, you're basically looking at a CMHC premium of $15,200. Now, don't panic. You don't have to pay that money at closing. That gets added on to your mortgage. But what doesn't get added on to your mortgage is the PST on that $15,000, which is significant. It's, it's $1,216. So it's something that a lot of people miss. And you've got, to, you've got to calculate that all in so you don't come up short at the closing table. Very important to bring that in. Okay. Um, the next thing, of course, is property taxes. Some lenders will demand a property tax holdback, usually um, about two months. Now, I understand that it's not very common anymore, but if you by chance end up with a lender that wants to have the property taxes, uh, they want to collect the property taxes on your behalf, then they're going to charge you two months of property taxes. And that's got to be ready on the day of closing. So very important thing to keep in mind. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a, you know, it's a little $1,200 sucker punch that people forget, but you got to remember it. Okay. It's there. Uh, the other thing you got to remember when we're talking about property taxes is sometimes you'll be buying a house from somebody that has prepaid the property tax. So if they're paying in quarterly installments and you buy in the beginning or the middle of that quarter, then you're going to have to reimburse the seller back for those taxes that they paid. So if you're, again, using that $400,000 house, let's say the house pays somewhere around $3,500, $3,600 in, uh, uh, a year in taxes, you're looking at about $300 per month for every month that the seller prepaid. Is it as common as it used to be? Not really, but hey, sometimes you, you'll even run into somebody that's paid it for the whole year. And that's, that's a massive sucker punch, but it's obviously something that you have to deal with. All right. Um, and then, of course, the last thing is interest rate adjustment. What that means is basically most mortgage payments start uh, or are due on the first of the month. Okay, so if you close your transaction any day other than the first of the month, what typically happens is most banks want to make sure that your payment doesn't get drawn until the first of the month. Okay, so if you closed let's say on the 15th day of March, well, and the first payment is obviously going to be on the first of the month. Well, they don't remember mortgage payments are collected in arrears. So they won't, you won't pay a mortgage payment on April 1st, you'll pay a mortgage payment on May 1st. But what what the bank wants to do is they want to even out the calculator and make sure that your interest is paid for the month of March. So if there's 31 days in March and you close on the 15th, you owe the bank 16 days interest on the money that you borrow. Okay. And that's pay that's payable on the day of closing. So keep in mind, the easiest way to calculate that is basically take the interest rate, uh, divide it by 365. Okay. Which gives you a long funky number. 
You multiply that by the amount of money that you're borrowing, and don't forget to include the CMHC fee, and that's going to be your interest rate adjustment, all right? So it, it can be significant. So basically what you're looking at on a $400,000 house, you're looking at probably just a little under $9,000 in closing costs. So almost half of what you're putting down on the house. But don't forget, if you're a first-time home buyer, you're entitled to a $2,000 rebate on land transfer tax. So it, it's a little bit of a, a saving grace, but nonetheless, it's, it's still a significant amount of money. So those are basically the fees that you're looking at when purchasing a house. Now, let's take a look at mortgages. Now, when somebody goes out and starts looking for a house, I always recommend the first thing you should do is talk to a mortgage broker. Okay, and you can get online with uh, with Karen, for example, my wife. You can go to myhomepreapproval.com, which takes you straight to her mortgage application, or you can just go to homepreapproval.com, and that sort of gives you a, a video intro and and how mortgage preapprovals work. But basically, the difference between getting a preapproved mortgage and getting prequalified for a mortgage is is that somebody that pre-approves you is actually going through the exercise and scrutiny of, of uh, drawing your information as opposed to just doing the quick math. So if you go into a bank and say, hey, I want to get pre-approved for a mortgage, most banks, what they do is they just whip out their calculator, ask you how much you make, how much do you owe. They do some quick math in terms of um, what the GDS and TDS ratios are, which are basically the percentages of your allowable income that can go towards your debts. And then they give you a number. Most people walk out of the bank thinking they're pre-approved. They're not. They're just been pre-qualified. Okay. And that doesn't really mean anything. When you go to a mortgage broker and ask for a pre-approval, one of the big differences is, of course, they're going to pull your credit report. And when they pull your credit report, then they know exactly what they're dealing with in terms of your, the debts that you're servicing, your credit score, because that all has, that all plays a role in how much you qualify for um, in terms of uh, borrowing money. Because if your credit score is greater than 680, that means that you can use 39% of your income towards your mortgage payment and taxes, okay? And, but if it's less than 680, you can only use 35%. So it's very important to go through that exercise with a mortgage broker. So you know exactly how much of your income can go towards your uh, towards your mortgage payment, okay, or towards your debt service, all right? Now, when a mortgage broker uh, does that exercise, and any mortgage broker worth their salt, they're going to ask you for a few things. They're, they're going to ask you right up front for job letters. Make sure you get your job letter from your employer or whatever, you know, you happen to use for income. Most people, it's a job. So you got to get a job letter. You got to provide us with a pay stub. You got to get us a tax return of some sort, either a T4 or a notice of assessment to support that information. All right. If you're using any kind of child support or any kind of spousal support, um, that you're that you need to count in order to qualify for the mortgage. You need to have the documentation, the separation agreements, and 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 the divorce agreements, that that sort of thing. Okay, you have to have that in place. And if you're using any kind of rental income from uh, from properties that you owe own, um, so in other words, uh, income properties, they want to see the T1 generals that you use to file your taxes on that rental property and the copy of the leases. They want to make sure that this income is there. All right. So all of that information needs to be there. 
Um, down payment. Where is this down payment coming from and where is it sitting? Very important. The other thing is, is when you provide information regarding a down payment, they're going to ask you for a copy of the statement of where the down payment is sitting, okay, a bank statement. And the, if there's any kind of funky deposits going into that bank account, so if you got 20000 all of a sudden you, there's a $10,000 deposit, the bank is going to go, or the, the lender that's going to give you the mortgage is going to ask you, hey, what's with that $10,000 deposit? Because what they want to make sure of is that that down payment is not being borrowed. And if it's being provided to you as a gift from a parent, then you need to provide a gift letter along with that. So very important. Make sure that you make it very clear to the mortgage broker where the down payment is and how it, it's going to be coming um, to the table. Or is it coming from an RSP or TFSA, that kind of thing. All right. Now, remember, when I told you the the debt ratios, they differ depending on your credit score. So if you're above 680, you can use 39% of your total gross income. If it's below 680, you can only use 35% for a mortgage. Okay. And if you carry any other debts, that number goes a little bit higher. That means you can only use 44% if it's above 680 and 42% if it's below 680. A little bit complicated, I know it sounds like Greek, but very important that most important message here is get in touch with a mortgage broker so they know uh, or so you know what you're, what you're dealing with. And again, remember, today's market, you've got to qualify if you're putting down less than 20%, you got to qualify on these new mortgage rules, which are the benchmark rate. Okay, the benchmark rate today is basically 5.14%. You can borrow money cheaper than that, okay, but you got to qualify for the mortgage as if it was 5.14% and a maximum of a 25 year amortization. All right, so remember to keep that in mind. All right, now there are some lenders that don't have to play by that rule, okay, so you just qualify on the contract rate. But most people, if they're going to any kind of bank or monoline lender, you got to qualify for that. All right. So those are the differences uh, between pre being pre-approved and being pre-qualified. And these are the costs involved in buying a house. Hope the information was helpful to you. If you'd like to know a little bit more about buying a home, by all means, send me an email, walter at maximumresults.ca. And if you want to get pre-approved for a mortgage, go to homepreapproval.com or you can email Karen directly at karen at maximumresults.ca. Hope you're having a great day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of the Real Estate Mortgage Show. If you have any real estate questions, please direct them to me at 519-624-9222 or walter at maximumresults.ca or you can find me online at www.cambridgehouses.com. If your interests are in mortgages, please feel free to call 519-624-9222 or email karen at karen at maximumresults.ca or you can find her online at www.m as in Mary, R as in Roger, financial.ca. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a great week.